Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Don't Be So Dramatic. My name is Rachel, and this is the podcast where I talk to different people in the entertainment industry to discover what their job involves and how they got there. For this week's episode, I have with me Grant Dodwell. Grant has over 40 years experience in the entertainment industry. Among many things, Grant is an actor and he has received three Silver Logie Awards for the most popular actor award for his role in a country practice. Grant is also the co-founder of Australian Theatre Live, which is a not-for-profit that records and distributes Australian theatre across the country and the world. The most exciting thing is that Australian Theatre Live has just launched their streaming platform. What this means is that some of the most popular plays from Sydney Theatre Company, Griffin Theatre, Belvoir, KXT, those plays are going to be available online to watch. And so that means anyone who is underprivileged, living in an area where theatre is not accessible, someone who can't get to the theatre, all of these people are actually going to be able to see these plays now, which is is an Australian first and is so exciting. I will link everything down below in regards to Grant and Australian Theatre Live and their streaming service if you'd like to sign up. I certainly will be. I will also link all of our Instagrams below. If you're not following us, give us a follow. We'd love to have you. And without further ado, let's jump in. Grant, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast today. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you, Rachel. Very well indeed. It's a bit of a a rainy day today, but that is okay because we're in a warm studio, (laughs) even though it's supposed to be spring. That's right, yeah. And in fact, I think I mentioned to you, I've been doing a couple of days on a feature film called Not, Mm -hmm. uh, where I was playing a sailing master and that required me to actually sail on a 38-foot yacht, and I, I feel I thought I felt okay, but I'm exhausted after that yeah. two days on the water. But again, we didn't have rain, but we had a lot of cloud and, and wind direction changes, you know. So, mm, yeah. yeah. I mean, acting in itself can be quite a, you know, it takes energy to do, but then on top of that, the wind and the waves and the boat. <laughs> That's right. No, no, we want the boat here, not there. What are you doing? <laughs> Yeah, it must have been, I mean, very exciting, but also, you know, a lot of energy it takes to do something like yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's an Indian co-pro um, oh, wow. and a uh, young Australian Indian actor and half the crew were Indian mm-hmm. and uh, that seems to be happening more and more in Australia, which is great. They're not mm. huge budget films, but they're, they're films that have a distribution and that's something that... Um, is is constantly on my mind is mm. how we distribute films in a a market in a digital market landscape that is continually changing and but continually wanting more so who are our audience what are we making this film for who mm. are we making this film for and i think uh, when when you have an indian copro uh, you have Cinemas everywhere in India, so there is a distribution market as well as in Australia. So the return on the film will be uh, guaranteed almost, Mm. whereas an Australian film just screening in Australia in a few little places in English-speaking countries, perhaps not. Anyway, I digressed rather (laughs) rapidly there. (laughs) 
into distribution. <laughs> You're great at podcasting. This is what podcasting <laughs> is. It's just going on tangents. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, yeah. Well, I'm very good at that. Oh, so great. the people in the office tell me too. <laughs> no, like, let's not go there. Park that for a minute, Dodwell. <laughs> They need to get their work done, Grant. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> well, where did your interest um, in the entertainment industry first start out? Oh, my goodness. Uh, you know, th- it's a very funny story, but um, I moved around quite a lot uh, as a kid. My father was uh, a harbour master, so we went Sydney down to Port Kembla, up to Newcastle, and then back to Sydney. And when we were in uh, Wollongong, uh, when Dad was uh, a harbour master down there, um, our local church had a fate, as they do and did a lot more in those days. And they had all sorts of things there amongst the stalls, and one of them in a tent was a hypnotist. <laughs> okay. Now, look, I, I, the, prior to that I did do Mr Penny the Postman um, at primary school, but <laughs> that <laughs> famous play. But this sort of happened, interestingly, in a tent he asked for volunteers, a hypnotist. And if, as a matter of fact, he was a magician as well and <laughs> I'd sourced a pigeon for him. <laughs> A white pigeon. How? Hang on. How did you source this pigeon? Well, I knew where they there were pigeon fanciers around, and okay. I knew that they had white pigeons. <laughs> I mean, in those days, you know, you you knew your neighbourhood, yeah, because you know you'd ride around on your bike or your pump up scooter, and things were a lot easier, I guess. I mean, I'm ageing myself, but it's true. <laughs> but he asked someone, can you get a white pigeon? And I guess it was my early foray into producing as well. I went, yeah, yeah I can get a pigeon. <laughs> <laughs> so returned with the pigeon. He was hypnotising, asked for volunteers. I came up and whether I was under or not, I'm not sure. Mm. I may have faked it a little, but I felt quite <laughs> relaxed. Yep. <laughs> anyway, it was such a hit. We did three shows in the tent at the fair at the fate. They had a, 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 a an encore performance in the church hall about a month later, mm-hmm. and of course, the magician uh, hypnotist said to me, "said I want that young boy who came up." So again, we did did the show and. I could sense the audience reaction then, and I think a lot of actors say that, that there is there is something that is addictive mm. um, and it's not so much showing off or, or, or um, it, there's a bit of that, but to me it was the fact that I was, that I was entertaining. There was a reaction and I enjoyed that sensation because I'd moved around quite a lot and, I was bullied quite a lot and a lot of the time to put down uh, and to move this bullying uh, away, I used to put down shields and do funny accents and sort of distract the the bully, I guess, you know. (laughs) And I think this was a continuation of that as well. Anyway, look, a long story but, yeah, I think that was the first time. And then, of course, in high school, um, I did the um, obligatory high school play and then in senior years I actually produced a review and I had sketches uh, from friends who were writers and actors at that stage. I'd met a few and, you know, we had the whole of year 12 up on stage 
doing a fundraiser. Um, that was my first production mm. that I produced, but I was in as well. Wow. That's no small feat to be 17 or 18 and to be like, guys, I've got this covered. You do this, you do <laughs> yeah, this, and right. we'll make a show. Like that's that's a lot. I think that mm. sometimes, you know, acts like that we can overlook because it was us doing them. You kind of don't realise how much you were doing and how mm. like how big of a thing that is because mm. you kind of brush it off as like, oh, yeah. No, it was a school thing. This. Yeah, it was yeah. a school thing. We did the sketch show. Yeah. It was fine. I'm just doing a podcast, you know, all that <laughs> sort of thing. Um, but it's interesting to stop and really think about those moments mm. in our creative journeys and how they massively must have shaped us, mm. I guess, which, mm. you know, um, for you who is – doing so many different things in your creative ventures, that's probably the first kind of thing that really made you go, oh, I like Mm. having my fingers in many pies, I Mm. guess. No, that's very true. And I was in a a band at that stage and I remember our formal, our farewell, our formal, now they have them off school, but we used to have them in the school assembly hall. Mm -hmm. And it was the first year of the Sydney Festival and they had these banners throughout Sydney, as they do now, but nothing on them. They were like those old um, Knights of the Round Table yeah. banners that hang <laughs> hung down with different shaped coloured canvas squares. And I phoned up City of Sydney Council and said, can I borrow some of those banners? <laughs> and I got through to the top guy or something and he said, yeah, okay, as long as you can pick them up. So I got Dad to drive me in and they handed over these banners. So in the school assembly hall there were these wonderful City of Sydney banners hanging down in the hall. But I do remember I was still hanging them as people were arriving. <laughs> so I had to change into my tuxedo. Yeah, I was about to say, were you doing that in your nice suit hanging up? No, 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 I was still there. I am lucky enough to have a, sh- a cold shower backstage and then <laughs> throw into my... Tuxedo, but yeah, it was those sort of things that I think um, a set. Now, where that comes from? I mean, my grandfather, who I never met, was a Salvation Army minister, um, and my grandmother was. That's where my mother was born in China, actually, and mm. and was interned in a prison war camp or a uh, oh, wow. yeah for three years, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, um, mm. and. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but George, uh, I believe, as a preacher, was um, very good. <laughs> yeah. So, whether there was aspects of my grandfather who I never met, um, who knows? And my mother was a, an accomplished pianist and singer as well. So, mm. I guess th- those ingredients add, add up. Yeah, definitely. And so, then when you left high school, mm. was that when you thought, you know what, I'm going to give drama school a go and that's the path for me or what happened after you left high school? Yeah, it's interesting, Rachel, because I, in fact, was dead set on doing film, producing film or directing film. I didn't know what. And, in fact, in year 11 I wrote to all the production companies and film lighting companies and said, look, I'm finishing school, I'd, I'd love to come and have a chat. And they all replied saying, yes, do. But meantime, in year 11, I thought, I'll audition for NIDA. <laughs> so I auditioned and they said, look, come back next year after your HSC. So I did and I got in. Wow. And um, that 
took me off course in what I'm doing now, which is producing. And I, it, yeah, it skewered my, my course, my career. And, uh, I enjoyed, enjoyed the whole process. I, I, in those days, they used to take in about 35 students, 36, and then discarded 15 to 16. Oh. Yeah. What? <laughs> yeah. Oh. And it moved from a two-year course to a three-year course. So it was a Rivadurchi grant. See ya. Thank you. Um, and, although there were a couple of tutors to this day always come up and say, I fought for you to stay. Um, oh, my God. But nevertheless, there was quite a few uh, well-known actors who were in my position as well. So I was hitchhiking to Cairns after I was said farewell to NIDA. So it was high school NIDA and then hitching with a mate of mine who was at University of New South Wales. We were going up to Cairns. We couldn't make it to Cairns because of similar weather to what we're experiencing now, mm-hmm. floods. Mm-hmm. So I knew an actor called Frank Gallagher who was um, a, a, an actor I'd met in Sydney who was with the Queensland Theatre Company and we bunked down with him for two weeks and Frank was a Scottish guy and he said and he knew the artistic director and he called up and he said Alan I've got this young actor who's just been booted out of Nader I think you should look at him <laughs> you know you, and you got anything coming up and sure enough I auditioned and got into the theatre and education oh program so I hitchhiked back to Sydney and flew back up to Brisbane oh my god my first jet flight <laughs> <laughs> and all the while doing these things, were were you wanting to be an actor or was your yes. mind still like, I no. want to be a producer? No, no, you know, I was 17, 18, 19, so 20. So, no, acting was there. And I love the camaraderie. I love the, the process of um, rehearsing um, and enjoyed the performance, I guess, that I experienced as a young person pretending to be hypnotised. No, no, I was hypnotised. And, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so no, acting then became, yes, this is it. Mm, interesting. And so when we leave drama school, um, how did you kind of navigate the industry then? Because I feel like actors, when they leave drama school, they'll either kind of uh, get the hang of the industry very quickly or it might take them quite a long time to kind of work out what what you do, like mm. how you get headshots, how mm. you get an agent, all that sort of stuff. So what was your experience? <laughs> That's another funny story. When I left NIDA, I contacted June Can Management and June Can was a very well-known agent, a wonderful agent, who then eventually became, became my agent. But when I was in Brisbane, this is how naive I was, so I sat opposite the artistic director, Alan Edwards, a wonderful, wonderful uh, director and uh, uh, theatre manager creative um and he said uh grant so um who's your agent <laughs> and i went oh shit and june i'd spoken to june and oh, june no. said when you're in something let me come and see you and you can join the agency or we'll see how mm. we go so but i foolishly went oh uh june can <laughs> that's my agent and then oh. <laughs> alan came up to me later and he went grant i called June and had a long chat with her. Um, you're not on her books. However, she did say to come and see her when you get back. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it was 
complete naivety. I thought, well, that's Sydney. I'm in Brisbane. They'll never speak to each other. (laughs) Anyway, so uh, I did. I joined June Can. And so photographs and all that sort of stuff came after I I joined June because I was with Queensland Theatre Company for 18 months. Wow. And in those days we did rep. So we do um, one play at night and rehearse during the day. Mm-hmm. So I did ruling class, national health, um, and toured You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, <laughs> uh, for 10 weeks on the road doing wow. one-night stands in Queensland. Mm. And in those days they had arts councillors in each of these little country towns and you were you, sometimes you were billeted. Wow. Like a football team. <laughs> so they'd say, Grant, you're coming with me. What do you like, meat or chicken? You know, and then you'd be on the little veranda in crisp white sheets, you know, um, <laughs> out 20 minutes out from town because they're billeting you. <laughs> um, yeah, so that was my venture in Queensland Theatre Company and made some very fr- firm friends that are still friends today. Mm. So you would we say that you started out kind of more doing theatre oh, and yeah. moved into the kind of TV film arena after that? Yeah, look, again, I must emphasise to all the young actors that perhaps may be listening, when I was a young actor, uh, we were very lucky. There were very few of us. Mm. Um, You know, it wasn't – there was work there, but it was, um, I guess, the amount of younger actors around who had been to NIDA or had had some industry experience wasn't great. Mm. So I would run into the same six or seven yeah. guys, you know, whereas now it's just so many. So when I was with the Melbourne Theatre Company, um, because then I, I did Godspell and I did a national tour, I ended up with the Melbourne Theatre Company and I did the second last Homicide for Crawfords. I did Skyway. So I did all these guest roles mm. on television while still doing theatre. I came back to the old Toad Theatre Company, which is now the Sydney Theatre Company, and did a couple of productions for them. And meanwhile, always doing guest roles. ABC, I did Certain Women. Um, what was that one I did with Tom Burlinson? I played his Top Mates. Oh, no, that was an education. No, no, that was a series, and then I did Education Series. So lots of little things over that 10 years, mm. which – then led to a country practice. Mm. So really it was theatre and odd bits of film and television and, you know, little series here and there Mm. and a bit of radio, a bit of radio drama. Yeah. (laughs) So it was easier. I mean, yeah. uh, and there were feature films happening at those stages. I never really got into that. I was always very close. But uh, interesting as an actor, I... I was concerned about and nervous about feature film because it was big and I needn't be and actors needn't be worried about that. But, you know, we were talking about anxiety earlier. Well, that was that used to create anxiety in me. Mm. Interesting that mm. you picked feature films to be anxious about because mm. I would, I mean, they're, just as big of a production as any kind of TV show. That's true. It's just kind of like... Maybe with a TV show you feel like, oh, I've got the job and so I'm pretty set, whereas a feature film happens and then mm. you it's Wait. finished. Yeah. Mm. But 
I would say more people would watch TV shows, so there's more eyes on you. Yeah, that's true. That's true. But I, it's, it, I guess it's the process. I mean, future even today, mm. you know, um, you know, you're looking at getting one minute a day, maybe. Yeah. You know, one minute fifty. Yeah. Maybe. Um, whereas in television, you know, you can be looking at ten to fifteen minutes in the studio mm. um, with multicam setups, mm. and you're doing the scene in its entirety. Yeah, that's what we did in a country practice. I mean, we we carried four hours of television in hand. Wow, that's crazy. Yes. So that would have been doing a country practice then, that would have kind of been a callback to being in theatre because, you know, with a play you do it in its entirety mm, and mm. so doing a whole scene in its entirety must have felt very similar for you. It did. And as a matter of fact, all the actors, um, you know, Penny Cook, um, sadly, um, Penny Cook, Shane Porteous, Shane Withington and Tenny had all been theatre actors mm. um, and... I guess that actually helped in a way mm. um, because, you know, you'd be learning up to 15 minutes a day, um, you know, so you'd wrap at, say, 6 and then get home at 7, 8, learn lines, yeah. crash at 12 and be up at 4.35, you mm. know. I remember my mum and dad used to, I'd go over to their place for Sunday lunch or something and they'd say, how are you? And before I answered they'd say, don't tell me you're tired. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so yes, you're, that's very true. It, it had a theatricality about it. Mm. And I think my character also had a, a heightened sort of reality in, in some sense, especially with the Vicky and Simon, mm -hmm. with Penny Cook, who was a wonderful actor and producer and, um, extraordinary woman mm. and, uh, saved the Griffin Theatre Company. Yeah. Um, and, and Penny and I had a very strong rapport and enjoyed it. I watched a bit of Country Practice the other day and I thought, my God, it's almost like farce <laughs> between the two of us, you yeah. know. <laughs> it was just so great. But that, again, was a great learning experience. But, you know, the thing that was so good about that was that we had a reunion only recently just to, um, um, you know, just a backyard get-together at Joe Mitchell's house and Chris Martin-Jones, who's a producer at Seven. And, um, you know, it was Shane and, and Annie and Matt, Matty Day and and there's there's a certain look at, I'm sure it happens with most things that as an actor you work on, mm. but there is, there is an immediacy that comes through the acting as far as getting to know someone, there mm. is a, on an emotional level, um, there is a, a glue that automatically connects you for a lifetime. Uh, whether you forget that you worked with that person when they say, I worked with you, and you go, Did you? Oh, sorry, <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> and they remind you, and then you go, Oh, yes, of course, I do remember. Yes, mm. that's right. So, uh, and I guess that's the sensation that we all had when we had this little mini country practice reunion that um, there was a care, um, a humour that is an immediate when you reconnect. Mm. And I'm sure that it's not just a country practice. It's it's a lot of actors. Yeah, sure, we have our bad, you know, 
plays that we rehearse and then suddenly, you know, some the director says, don't read the reviews. You know? <laughs> but, but, but no. <laughs> um, even the bad plays, I feel like, bring you all together they even do. more so because you're like, how awful is this play that we're in? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember, well, one of my friends who is the manager of this podcast, who's not here right now, she... Her and I did a terrible rendition of The Importance of Being Earnest, which is my favourite play. Oh, wow. And um, just, yeah, terribly produced. I <laughs> That's all I'll say. And we've stuck together ever since because we yeah. can laugh about how terrible <laughs> the production was. But, it, you know, um, we met through that. It mm. made us friends and that's something really special. You always get something out of the project that you do, whether it is a new friend or it is acting experience, there's always something. That, that's most. That's very true, and I guess you'd notice too, and I, I certainly notice that nowadays I'm really in awe of the young talent mm. that is around at the moment and the entre- entrepreneurial spirit that exists. I mean, really, Rachel, sitting here today with you is something that would never have happened. Well, it just was non-existent, even in the radio sense. Yeah. Um, You know, so and the fact that, you know, Lucy Clements, um, Emma Wright, um, you know, Sean Landis, who work for us, all have their individual theatre companies and their individual projects that they're working on. And uh, I think the resurgence, in my mind, is going to produce – a plethora of highly creative, talented individuals, which to me is really exciting mm. because, you know, you, you mentioned uh, uh, your favourite play is The Importance of Being Earnest. That that equates to me that someone who ha- has read history, who understands a little bit about the history of theatre uh, and, and where it came from and where it's going to. Mm. And that's really exciting. Mm. So when did you first find out that the importance of being earnest was a handbag? Was your <laughs> um, you know, I think I I actually think I got introduced to it in high school. Right. Yeah. You know, as we all do, one of those classic things sure. that you study in English. And it was one of the first texts in English that I actually went, I really like this. Oh. Whereas, you know, you always had to read the books like I mean, The Hobbit's great, sure. um, but The Hobbit and oh, I can't even remember the rest. But I think reading the play, because it was a play as well and I was interested in acting, when we got to do it in English, I thought, oh, this is this is my stuff. And I just, the comedy that's in that play, even back then when I was a teenager, I just found it so ridiculous and funny because yeah. it is a ridiculous it is. play. It's such a ridiculous set of circumstances and I love that style of comedy where everyone is so intent on winning and is playing it so serious in their mind mm. but it comes across as this ridiculous thing and so I think that's always stuck with me is that, yeah, that that kind of style of comedy in the storyline is something mm. that I really love. So. The element of farce. And yes. what about you as far as your glimmer of acting? I, I think I might, I might venture down that pathway. <laughs> well, <laughs> I think it was, it's a very similar story to yeah. you and to a lot of actors who would be listening is that, you know, you 
um, kind of get introduced to it as a child, doing those little mm. kind of things, performing for people and going, oh, I like this applause. Mm. I really <laughs> like the way this makes me feel. Yeah. Um, and then kind of going into high school, doing the high school plays. Mm-hmm. I remember um, one of my English teachers who was a terrifying woman, um, she put on Shakespeare plays. She was very serious about Shakespeare, mm-hmm. but I loved how serious she took the theatre because it was almost like a, oh yes, I'm taking it seriously too as a 15 year old. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, we did these Shakespeare plays. I played in A Midsummer Night's Dream. Um, oh, I can't remember the character's name, but he plays the wall in oh, the yeah, play. Yeah, We're going to yeah. play. <laughs> so I was playing a man and a wall, but I loved it. <laughs> and so, yeah, then when I left school, I went, well, of course I'm going to go and study acting. And I went to the University of Wollongong because ah, that's where I yeah. lived and studied a Bachelor of Performance. And the rest kind of, you know, very similar. You take the steps and all As that sort comes. of thing. Yeah, yeah. And was there a theatre company in Wollongong at that stage? Um, uh, well, Mary Gong was the theatre that all of the plays, and I remember, um, like plays would come from STC down to Mary Gong and Griffin down to Mary Gong. David Williamson play I did in Mary Gong. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So fellow Wollongongian. Yeah. I was Fairy Meadow. Oh, okay. Yeah, which okay. has changed. I mean, you know, yes. the whole place. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, you, uh, there was a roller skating rink. Was there? <laughs> yeah, it, uh, not ice but roller skating mm. down at Ferry Meadow and right near the beach and you could, uh, there was horse, ri- horse riding, you could hire horses. Oh, wow. And it was cheaper to get one without a saddle <laughs> than it was. You could, bareback was cheaper. So, you oh. know, you'd ride up and down <laughs> the beach. And the roller skating, I'll never forget it because, You'd roller skate one way and they'd be playing music, you know, mm. uh, 60s obviously, music. Mm-hmm. And then when it stopped and changed, you had to change reverse, oh, yeah. you know. That was the highlight of the roller skating. Yeah, they, but, you they know, were the rules. They were the rules. And couples would hold hands as they <laughs> sort of roller skated around. But uh, Mount Kira, mm-hmm. picnics on Mount Kira. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I loved it there, and I had that's where I had my first band. I went to Kira Boys High, okay, and uh, because I did, I yeah, I went to a Fairy Meadow Primary School. Yeah, Primary School was right behind my uh, house. You know, I used to just jump over the fence, go to school, <laughs> and uh, but yeah, I, had, I only did um, Kira Boys High for two years before we moved. Mm, interesting, mm. interesting. There wasn't much happening there as far as theatre was concerned in Kira Boys High. It was very much a, a much misogynistic school, mm-hmm. uh, training young misogynists. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, I shouldn't really say that. Well, you know, <laughs> there, there's still schools like that today, yeah. so it's not wrong. <laughs> but I think this was very early on and, um, yeah, there were quite a few meanie teachers around and mm. really strange. Back in the day when you could hit the students. Yeah, that's right. You could cuff them over the back of the head. Yeah. yeah. I only cuffed him. <laughs> well, why is his nose bleeding? Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, back in the day. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I want to talk about Australian Theatre Live. Mm. So you're the co-founder of Australian Theatre Live and we've had Lucy Clements on earlier this year. Yeah, it was earlier this year. Mm-hmm. I lose track of time when we do episodes. Sure. Um, who also spoke about Australian Theatre Live and um, doing the work for you. So 
what um where did the idea come from to found the company mm. and um yeah how did how did you go about doing that there's two parts to that i guess i've sort of talked told talked earlier about my touring days mm. and the reaction that local towns had to plays touring and that's one thing about Australian Theatre Live whilst we're a digital production company you know we're certainly not here to replace live theatre we're here to enhance live theatre yeah um so I, I you know I had a touring history in areas which I know are now not uh, don't get access to live theatre. Mm. You know, in th- there's no way that that 10-week Queensland tour would happen. There's no way that the following New South Wales tour wouldn't have happened. Even Godspell, there were 26 of us on the road. Mm. You know, we're playing major sort of ca- towns in country areas, but that just doesn't exist. Yeah. So there's that aspect that, that I ha- was always in the back of my mind. But really it was National Theatre Live, which is – the theatre out in South Bank in mm-hmm. London, who for 10 years have been filming uh, occasional productions and now it seems more and more, mm. and then putting them through cinemas. Yeah. And they were cinema only up until um, COVID. Wow. They were I didn't just know that. cinema. Yeah. You couldn't see them anywhere else. You had to go to the cinema. Wow. So we thought, why aren't we seeing Australian productions in the cinema? Mm. I mean, you know, National Theatre Live are fabulous and some wonderful performers and I knew some writers in London who'd written for them. I knew some actors who'd acted for them in London. So I went to London quite a few times. My daughter lives in London and finally she's just finished Much Ado About Nothing at the National. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I had a bit of background information. So we decided, well, yeah, why don't we try and get something going now? That was almost nine years ago. Wow. Um, it's been slow because we have a corporate production company as well mm-hmm. and that was subsidising the then for-profit company. We are now not-for-profit. We learnt so much, Rachel. It was insane. We continually learn. Um, whilst all of us had had experience in film and television and theatre, which the combination was required. Mm. The practicality of getting cameras in there and filming was fine. It's the back end. Mm. Who sees this and how do they see it? Yeah. And why do they want to see it? Yeah. <clears throat> and we continually struggle, or not struggle, but um, work on overcoming those hurdles. Mm. And we are slowly and slowly, slowly, because we're launching this subscription platform yes. uh, next Monday. So that that's really how it started. And so timing would allow for us to film and then we'd have to go back to the corporate. So it was, you know, balancing those two worlds, mm. the corporate for the cash flow and the passion project Australian Theatre Live. Mm. Uh, we filmed Ensemble. We filmed Emerald City. So these were the early ones, Dapto Chaser, Mary Rachel Brown, David Williamson, Geoffrey um, Atherton. And slowly we received uh, a grant from the government, Mm -hmm. uh, which then gave us a bit of a kickstart and we were able to sort of move a little further. And most recently we received a RISE funding, which again really boosted us and allowed us uh, to 
uh, to get Lucy and uh, Emma and Sean on board part time, although they the they produce enough work that they've been working seven days a week, not just two or three. Yeah, uh, every time Sean emails me, um, he is like, hey, I'm doing this other production and I'm like, when do you <laughs> yeah, live right. your life? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it yeah. always blows my mind how much they work. Yeah. But um, one thing that I thought that, you know, obviously with live theatre, it is a great experience to mm. go and see live theatre but something that I definitely struggle with, and mind you, I am not like, woe is me in this. I'm fine, but I'm a very busy person. And mm. I find that my goal in life is always to try and find a balance between, you know, acting work and working and getting money and all that sort of stuff and actually like living life and having those moments of rest and recuperation. Mm. And so what I have kind of felt guilty about in the last few years is the lack of theatre that I've been able to go and see because, Mm. you know, it's a choice between driving into the city and going and seeing that show or actually like giving myself a rest or doing some podcast work or working on a scene. And so I thought with this platform that you're launching, obviously I do encourage people to go and watch theatre. I think Mm, that's a different experience to watching it. But it opens up the possibilities for me personally to actually be able to see productions and gain experience from them and be able to go, oh, in this play, this actor was doing this and I can maybe pull some sort of ideas from that for the scenes that I'm working on. So that's very exciting for just me. <laughs> that's, that's very good, Rachel. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I know that people who are time poor, people who live in rural and regional yes. Australia, yeah. that's certainly, um, uh, but from an actor's perspective, yeah, that, that's very true because you can, you know, move it back and forth and watch a scene again and, you know, uh, so you do have time to actually analyse yeah. uh, a particular play. Um, and you're right. Uh, there's no one can see everything. Yeah. I mean, I'm seeing Lucy's play that she directed mm-hmm. tomorrow night and mm-hmm. then it closes on Saturday. Yeah. And, and uh, the Griffin, we've recorded four of their plays, captured four of their plays this year. Um, they're wonderful plays. Now, I know that Griffin can only seat 110. Mm. They only have a sort of limited season. Mm-hmm. A- and so we will be able to offer that, you know, oh, I miss that production. Um, white fella, yellow tree, which yeah. was, did you see it? No, oh, I, well, that was one that I was like, that sounds great. <laughs> Don't have the time. <laughs> well, you'll now be able to see it uh, once it's uploaded mm-hmm. um, That because they'll we're going to try cinema first with festivals and mm-hmm. and uh, then, then, then it'll move on to the subscription platform. Mm. But, you yeah, know, that's ideal. It's a beautifully written play, mm. wonderfully performed and very relevant uh, for us in our society today and, you know, forever. Um, mm. And we're so proud that we've had the opportunity to, to capture that one. Mm. There are ones we miss out on, um, you know, and that's becoming a bit of a pattern, quite worrying that and nothing to do with um, <clears throat> exclusion. It's to do with a playwright may be offered an option on mm, their play. Yeah. And they may be offered a certain amount of money for a two-year option mm. for television or film. Mm-hmm. 
And in the caveat within that option is that you can't film it. Yeah. And they'd say, oh, yeah, but we're only doing stage production. No, can't film it because obviously they know that's going to be filmed and distributed. Yeah. Now, to me, I don't think it is really going to affect a six-part television series, Mm. a stage play. But anyway, it's something that we're working with the Writers Guild at the moment uh, just to see how we can do this and with producers because it's just been – it's basically um, a novel – or a, a, a you know a, um, something like that, a fiction or fact, yeah. where they've got that caveat in there, mm-hmm. uh, and it's just gone over into theatre. Mm. So we need to to sort that out. Yeah, that's really interesting. I would have never thought mm. that that would be an issue to mm. overcome for you guys, but that makes sense to me. Yeah, it does. And yeah. and look, it makes sense for the writer too. Yeah, you know, the playwright to weigh up the initial outlay payment, which the option is mm-hmm. going to create, compared to the back end of ours, which we're building a distribution market and, you know, after we launch that's going to improve and slowly we're, it, we're actually creating a distribution paths that are there but not consolidated with a niche market yeah. like theatre. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. And I guess you're really creating an opportunity for writers as well Um, and theatre directors, I guess, who, you know, beforehand they could just say that their credit is I wrote this play and Mm. it was performed here. But if it's filmed, they Mm. can go to, you know, whoever who wants to give them money, which is always great, Mm. and go, hey, watch the play I did on this platform. And so it's even more of a kind of demonstration of their work, which actors in film and TV already have, but actors in theatre don't. And that's always such an interesting thing for me when I am looking up um, my guests on the podcast and you, you go on to IMDb and all that. It is so hard to find actors' theatre credits because they're not on IMDb, obviously. Mm. It's so hard, but they're still just as relevant. That's right, most definitely. Yeah, this is interesting that we can start putting Mm. um, theatre pieces in our showreels maybe. Who knows? Well, they have. That's already started. (laughs) A lot of actors who've been have requested, and that's all part of it um, because, you know, we have an agreement with the MEAA, Mm -hmm. so everyone is paid with with our work Mm -hmm. um, as an upfront payment and also a back-end um, split as well. Mm-hmm. And that is for writers, for creatives. There's an upfront payment for the theatre company. There's a split. Uh, and that took us some time to get all those contracts in yeah, place. Yeah, I bet. Uh, and they, they vary on each production because, um, you know, people want to negotiate various things, which is fine by us. We're a not for profit. Our main vision is to get people viewing theatre because mm. the Research has shown in the UK that people that go to a cinema and watch a film theatre piece who've never been to theatre before will decide to buy a theatre ticket to see a live show. Mm. If not, that may be that show. They go, oh, that was great. I'd love to see that live. I mean, yeah. that happened with Hamilton. Mm. You yeah, know, it's happening did, with the bigger it? productions. Yeah, yeah, well, they were very nervous about releasing Hamilton during COVID mm. because they had productions that were going on. But, no, it really assisted. Yeah. yeah. It essentially brought it to Australia. Exactly, exactly. And to us it's 
education. Um, a lot of people are seeing our Norman Armand, the famous Alex Buzo play, very, very old, but again, still extremely relevant. Mm-hmm. Now, we produced that ourselves, that particular one. Uh, we're planning, uh, depending on some Australia Council funding, to tour um, festivals um, with with our plays. Um, that's playing Australia, have now ex- uh, sort of said, yes, there's a digital component. Mm. Um, we're sort of now the the funding bodies and uh, sort of um, organisations are understanding that there is a place for digital theatre. Mm. So let's really start seriously thinking about it. And the main thing is it's archival. Yeah. I mean, you know, we're going to have 35 plays that are there forever. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's quite a few directors who've been directors of theatre company who've said to me, boy, I wish you guys were around earlier, you know. <laughs> there's so many plays I wish, yeah. you know, about 50% of the plays I've directed, I'd love to have a recording. Yeah. And, you know, generally they've got the archival, which mm. is a big wide shot at the back. Yeah. Which is yes. like, oh, okay, cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, nice. Well, um, before we wrap up, mm. um, the platform launches on Monday, which yeah. I am going to the launch party. And oh, I'm great. excited. I'll see you so there. I will be there. Um, I can't say come along because this is not going to be out until next Friday. And oh, so okay. <laughs> that's a shame. But yeah. um, so if people, once the platform is launched, if they mm. want to sign up, for a subscription, which is essentially the same as like a Netflix subscription, mm-hmm. where do they find it? Um, Australian Theatre Live. Um, I suspect there's Australian Theatre Live is our, you know, it's not .com or .au, mm-hmm. forget that. It's just Australian Live. I suspect the subscription platform Oh, isn't that terrible? I have to ask Sean, but I'm pretty sure. Sean will know. He knows everything. He knows everything. <laughs> I think it. if you go to the website, it mm. then directs you to the subscription platform. Yeah, yeah. But I suspect if you just punch in Australian Theatre Live, it'll come up. But you're right. It's $7.95 for a month and then $74 for the year and that gives you access to all those plays. Oh, and the first week's. I think you've got a free trial as yes, well. Yes, yeah, I read that, so I can week. confirm. <laughs> yeah, so people will be sitting down wide-eyed watching every film saying, oh, God, I got, I watch them all for free. <laughs> <laughs> no, people are busy. They don't That's have the right. time. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so, look, we're really pleased that this is this is happening. This is something that we've been planning. Um, Sean, uh, Sean uh, Landis has just been extraordinary in well there's two things that Sean did mm-hmm. he planned this but he also with our um, Sydney Festival films mm-hmm. uh, created this distribution network which oh exists now within Australia wow and built relationships with local councils with Tumut Community Hall with Oberon Community Hall where the Sydney Festival films have been screened and we're not too sure yet. We're waiting on a few um, answers to come back, but we're hoping to film again. But that means that what Sean has done is something that we've always wanted to do, mm. but without the expertise and someone with the time, we haven't been able to. And then Sean organising this subscription platform, you know, I mean, we spoke to so many different subscription platform builders and there's so much work involved in it that we didn't have time for, but Sean has, and he's done an expert job. 
Oh, that's amazing. I always think you have to hire people that know way more than you do. Exactly, yeah, <laughs> and diversity. You know, diversity mm. is the, the key as well. And, you know, we, Peter and I and Raj know that we would not be in this position had it not been for Lucy, Emma and Sean. Mm. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm so excited for the platform. Um, it's going to give me a lot more opportunity. It's going to give, mm. you know, um, people in country towns, people who actually can't physically make it to theatres to watch these, all of the opportunities to see it. So I'm very excited. Thanks, um, Rachel. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today. It's been so lovely to have you. Oh, thank you. Um, did you have... And, well, I guess the only thing to plug would be Australian Theatre Live. Well, yeah, look, that's really, and I would advise people if they do subscribe is to um, cast it onto your big smart TV. Yes. Make sure because it's been mixed for television, mm. so the sound is excellent. Mm. Um, that's one thing we do in post-production is colour grade and sound mix. So oh, wow. So the quality is is excellent. So mm. make sure you put it up on the big screen and sit back with your favourite bevy, whether it be a cup of tea and a Jats <laughs> or, um, you know, a Scotch finger biscuit mm-hmm. and just uh, and relax and, and enjoy it because, yeah, that's really uh, the main game for me now is to over the next sort of five to ten years is to really establish this as a go-to place to see the best of Australian performances mm. and from independent theatre right through to major companies. Mm. We really want to traverse that market. Yeah, amazing. So. Well, Grant, thank you so much thank for you. being here and we'll talk to you soon. Will do. Thanks, Rachel. Thanks, Rachel.